0: Last week, we started a series called uh, Investment of a Lifetime. And that's really what being a disciple of Jesus is, right? I mean, you say yes to the Lordship of Christ, and you, for the rest of your life, invest in His agenda, and amazing things happen. And we started last week by talking about a parable of Jesus in Matthew chapter 25, this parable of a wealthy landowner who goes on a big vacation, a big trip, and entrusts all of his goods to his employees and then comes back and holds them accountable for what they did with his stuff. And we learn from Jesus that really what we have belongs to Jesus. This morning what we're going to do... As we're going to talk about principles in the Bible for financial freedom. Uh, I think all of us would like to have more freedom in our finances, and so the Bible is going to give us some really wise instruction about that today. But I, I do want to tell you this. One thing I love about Jesus is he gets us. I mean, he knows that a lot of us worry about money, He knows that for many of us, anxiety and finances go hand in hand. And so he addresses that in very clear ways throughout the Gospels. One of those places is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 to 34. Listen to the words of our Savior. He says, so don't worry about these things, talking about material things, saying, what will we eat? What will we, what will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of who? Of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already, already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. And he will give you everything you need So don't worry about tomorrow. A lot of wisdom here for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble, it's enough for today. I just love that. I love that idea that I have a heavenly father who knows all about my needs and who is determined to make sure that me as his child, my needs are being met. Um, And my job, my job is to trust in my Father's love, in his caring, and to put his agenda, to put his kingdom first in my life. And then everything, Jesus says, will be taken care of. Now, I want you to do with me this morning, or kind of participate in a little bit of a thought experiment with me. And so, I have here a big wad of cash. Look at this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This this is from the children's program. This is actually play money, but we'll pretend that it's real this morning. It just feels good though to hold a big chunk of cash like this, even if it is even if it is fake. So I need a little bit of help. I need a banker this morning. What's your name again? Jamal. Would you help me out? Would you be my banker this morning? I mean, you can you can say yeah. Come up here. Come up here, Jamal. So yeah, Jamal, everybody, give him a round of give him a round of applause here, Jamal. I've got five thousand. Dollars um, here, Jamal, and I want to open an account in your bank. So there we go. So you clack, 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 clack on the computer. I got my account all set up. Now let's imagine, Jamal, that I come back to your bank in about a year, and or uh, not not about let's say a month, come back because Isla and I we need to buy a new washer dryer. So I need about twelve hundred dollars out of my bank account. So I come back in. I talk to a teller, one of your employees there, Jamal, and and the teller uh, tells me, hey um we've got a problem problem we haven't withdrawn any money yet what's the problem and the teller says look you're gonna to need to talk to jamal you're gonna to need to talk to the bank president i'm like okay so i go to the bank president and i say jamal how you doing how, how's your christmas All this stuff and, I, and jamal now show me the money show me the i i, I need we need to buy a washer dryer and Jamal types on the computer. And Jamal gets this kind of concerned look in his face. Blood kind of drains out of it. And Jamal says, yeah, there, there is a problem. You see, um, Gordon, Mr. Dabbs, we decided to use your money to have a really awesome bank Christmas party for all of our employees. <laughs> and we didn't spend all of it at the Christmas party. The board here at the bank decided that my wife and I Needed a a bonus, a trip to Cancun. So you guys took a trip to Cancun. All of your money, I'm sorry, it's all gone. How would you react to that? I would think probably that one of you guys was putting me on, either a friend or a church member is kind of watching to see what's going on, having a good laugh. But once it dawned on me that this was real, that my money was gone, I don't know what I'd do. I know I wouldn't want any of you there to see what I would do or hear what I would say, I think the bank security guard would pray, can I have my money back, Jamal? Thank you. You were great. You were great. But I would be livid. Now, I want you to imagine that you are the bank president. You're the bank. And that God is the one making the deposit of his stuff into your life of his assets under your care. Now what is God going to say when he comes in to take a look at what's going on with his assets? How is he going to respond to how you have managed his stuff? And essentially as disciples we found out last week that's the way it is. I mean nothing we have is really ours. He generously lets us use time and talents and, and health and influence and, yes, money that really belong to Him, but He is going to expect that we use that for His glory, for His kingdom. And I believe that financial freedom starts right here with the recognition of this foundational. Principle. So write this down on the outline this morning. Here it is. Disciples know that they are stewards. That's the biblical word for managers. We are stewards or managers of God's stuff. Whatever whatever we have in reality belongs to Him, He has deposited it into our lives. Now, what are we going to do with His stuff? Now, that may sound a little bit scary a little bit heavy to you, but I actually believe it brings peace. Why? Because of the heart of our Father. Because we get to know the Father. We know how generous it is, He is. We know how, how freely He allows us to use His stuff. It's amazing. And as Jesus said, if we will trust Him, and we will put His kingdom first, then Matthew six thirty three, my Father will give me everything I need. Now that, brings peace. That is good news. So that foundational principle we talked about a lot last week. This morning, let's get into some specifics. What does scripture say about specifically what I can do to experience financial freedom? And the first thing is this. It is the first thing. It is to put first things First, write that down on your outline. Number one, I will put first things first, which for a disciple, those first things involve a passion for God and b compassion for people. Or as Jesus will say in Matthew 22, it's putting God first, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Let those two foundational principles guide how you spend, how you save, how you invest. Let them guide your financial decisions. And I share here a lot the principle of tithing tithing, giving 10% off the top of your income back to God as a biblical starting point for honoring Him with your finances. Tithing, no, it is not an Old Testament principle. No, it is not a New Testament principle. It's just a principle. It's a divinely inspired principle. Um, In the Bible, you find tithing show up centuries before there is a tabernacle or a temple in Jerusalem. Centuries before there are Levites. Centuries before all of that. In fact, you find people like Abraham and Jacob tithing, giving 10% off the top to God centuries before it was ever mandated or obligated or a, a legal requirement. They did it because they recognized the wisdom of it, the principle of it, of putting God first. Listen to what Jacob said one time to God. Jacob said in Genesis 28 verse 22, Jacob said, Of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Did you see how he recognizes it all comes from you? Of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So essentially, John Scott, when we do our offering time here every week, we could call it the returning time. We're just returning to God. What is already His. Now, giving 10% or returning 10% to God, that is a way that I honor God, that I say, your kingdom is first in my finances in this part of my life. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 say this, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits, that's right off the top, of all of your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. And that's very personal to me and to Isla this week because as we do each year, we went through our annual process of determining what our tithe will be for 2018. Um, And we've been doing this for the last 20-something years, and it's really cool to watch how God honors His Word because every year that tithe has gone up just a little bit. And it's exciting to see that we're able to do a little bit more each year, figuring out what will 10% be this year and then hopefully do a little more as God blesses us throughout the year. Now you may be thinking, hey, wait a second, you're bragging, you're standing up talking about how much you give to the church. Look, it is not bragging about generosity when you're giving away someone else's stuff, right? It would be bragging or make myself look at if I'm giving away, I'm giving away God's stuff, right? Now look, If I hand you the keys to a luxury SUV and I say, it's yours, free and clear. You might think I'm bragging and trying to look like I'm super generous. But what if I borrowed your SUV a week ago and I'm just giving you your keys back? It's yours. These are your keys. And you're like, yeah. That's what happens when we give back to God. We're giving God back what is really already his. Um, Now, while giving to the church, giving to the kingdom is clearly important, there is more than just this. Showing compassion for people means that I am alert, I am attentive throughout the week to the needs of people around me, and there are a lot of people with needs in our community. In fact, the Bible says this in Proverbs 11 verse 25, the Bible says a generous man will prosper he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. God is saying, look out for those around you, care for their needs, and God will bless you in return. So it starts according to Jesus with giving, uh, putting first things first, making sure that my financial choices are guided by the kingdom of God and compassion for people made in the image of God. The next step in from fear to, to freedom, from fear to faith in my finances, is I will learn to act my wage. <laughs> act your wage. That is a very good principle and it's very challenging in the day and time that we live in because never, I believe, has it been easier to spend more than you make than it is right now. We live in a consumeristic culture, online shopping, easy credit. It is so easy to actually spend more than you bring in. In fact, I was reading this week uh, words from the old prophet Haggai. And Haggai could very well be describing 2018 with these words in Haggai chapter 1 verse 6. He says, You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty, you put on clothes but cannot keep warm, your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Haggai says, people, when I look out around our culture, I see people who are never satisfied, never content. It's never enough. You eat, but you're hungry. You drink, but you're thirsty. Your money seems to to vanish it's like you have holes in your pockets Shane and Abby Melton, long time Preston Crest members um, this was their story holes in their pockets spending more than they made getting into a cycle of greater and greater and greater debt and then they found these principles from God's word Their lives were turned around, and I'm so grateful for them because not only were their lives turned around, but they have invested themselves in this ministry, Financial Peace University. And many of us in this room have been blessed by the teachings they've brought us and the training that they brought us through Financial Peace University. And this spring, I'm very excited because they're going to share this with our juniors and seniors in our high school group. And my son is a junior this year, so I'm excited for him to learn these things. But let's just take a minute and listen to some of their story, Shane and Abby Mills.
1: We walked down the aisle of marriage happily married and facing very little savings and $115,000 in debt. 12 different debts, a lot of school loans, car loans, credit cards, wedding. wedding. We were facing a mountain of of debt commitments uh, to the tune of about $2,200 a month in minimum payments alone. We had this mindset that is prevalent in our culture that. Um, We're good. We have two incomes. We're healthy. We'll never get sick. We'll never lose a job. As long as we can afford the minimum payment, we're fine. Before we left for our honeymoon, I had taken uh, Abby's wedding dress and I hung it on the sprinkler in my apartment at the time. Well, the dress hung there perfectly throughout the honeymoon. We got back seven days later and the next day we were moving in her furniture and as we moved in this big chest we moved the veil of the dress and as we did that hanger rocked it busted that bulb and what i later was told by the fire chief is that that water comes out at about eighty pounds per square inch and it knocked a hole in the sheetrock across the room right below that dress was many of our wedding gifts our negatives from our wedding the pictures my wedding dress your wedding dress was destroyed uh your wedding portrait it basically destroyed everything we had and it flooded the fourth floor the third floor the second floor and including the mri center uh on the first floor of course we were financially irresponsible so we didn't have renters insurance and so we went from the peak of our lives coming back from our honeymoon to just being devastated I was so scared about what would happen to us and I think that was kind of the first trigger that started signaling maybe we're not as safe and and smart as we think we are I really didn't want to take the class I kind of had this attitude that we can out earn our bad decisions and, and everything will be fine. I don't want any help with this aspect. I didn't want to talk about it. Abby wanted to do it and she encouraged me to do it. And with the urging of our, of our two friends who were speaking wisdom to us, we decided to take that class. And that first week is where the, the change really occurred. We had to list everything that we owned, including our income, our full paycheck. And we had to sign over the deed of everything to God. And it felt silly at the time, but I realized then it was when the real switch occurred in our minds. We're like, we don't own any of this stuff. And based on our past behavior of managing money, we're not really taking God into consideration when we spend anything. We realized right then, together, kind of at the same time, that we've got to make some changes because we're headed on a trajectory down and it could um, invite all sorts of problems into our young marriage. My parents lived paycheck to paycheck and times were hard and um, I saw my mom struggle and I'm just so grateful that Shane and I chose to clean up our mess and get out of debt. It's emotional. We've walked into this mess and and we're gonna have to fight our way out because we're getting hit by advertisements all day long every day and it's just a very affluent uh, materialistic world and, and just really easy to get sucked into and so we just tell people you know pray over this stuff if this is a change you're making and you have done everything else right you're giving and you're squeezing your budget we lived so tight that our friends and family thought we were weird or poor we had cheap dating down to a science and we just lived on nothing. And we unfortunately, because of our mess, had to do that for a little over three years. We would pray over the debt we were paying off, and we felt like a slave to whoever had loaned us that money. And we we hated it and we wanted to pay it off and we prayed over it diligently. In all twelve cases, I've got the dates written in our little book. We kept our, our our data in every case we paid it off quicker than the spreadsheet projected, and in many cases months quicker. It's just created peace with no debt, no payments, we're, we're slave to, to no um, creditor. One of the things that's talked about often in Financial Peace University, which is, what if every Christian had no debt? How much more would we give? How much more could we do as a community at Preston Crest, locally and abroad? Encourage everybody to, to take a leap of faith and just say no to debt. I know it's strange in this society. There's no regrets here. First Chronicles 29, 11, Everything in the heavens and the earth is yours, O oh Lord.
0: man. Not only uh, as you heard their story, not only did they learn to act their wage, but they learned that debt is not a solution. Debt is a problem. And that's kind of a little bit different than what we hear in our culture these days. So I will regard, this is that next principle that Shane shared there. I will regard debt as a problem, not as a solution, not a way to get out of my situation. And I remember be, being shocked when I went off to college. It's been a few years. I got off to college my freshman year, and I was shocked by how many offers I got for credit cards. I mean, I got credit card offers in my mailbox there at the student union. I got credit I got credit card offers handed to me by people uh, around campus. here. And, and I was like, what? I was being offered all of these credit cards. I didn't even have a job. I didn't have any income. And it is so easy to get into trouble in this in this world that we live in where it's so easy to get credit. And as Shane shared, you get this sense that you are a slave. It's very encumbering. It's a form of bondage. And actually, that's exactly what the Bible says. Pro, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. The poor are ruled by the rich. And those who borrow are slaves of moneylenders. That, that's what it feels like, that sense of bondage. Now, I'm not one of those... Who thinks that you absolutely have to get all your credit cards together and burn them or cut them up? But maybe for some people that is what you need to do. I mean, if you're, if you're in a place where you're only making minimum payments and the debt just keeps, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. You're going to have to make some changes, and it may be abandoning the credit cards. Um, but finally, and there is so much freedom in this decision, uh, the final thing is: I will save responsibly. I will save responsibly. Easy come, easy go. You've probably heard that expression before. You may not know. That actually comes from the scriptures. Here goes in Proverbs thirteen eleven: Money that comes easily disappears quickly. But money that is gathered little by little will grow. Isn't that the truth? And so saving is playing the long game. It's it's following God's principle and saying over time if I am patient and I am persistent and I keep putting a little bit away, I will find that that nest egg will grow and be a blessing to me and perhaps even future generations. The Bible takes us to one of the most vulnerable creatures in the world, an insect, the ant. And it says, maybe you need to be a little more like the ants. Proverbs 30, verse 25, ants are small and weak, but they save. They save their food all summer. Even ants are smart enough to know that winter is Coming ants are smart enough to know that they're going to need a little extra Stashed away and bible says the bible says we can learn something from them about that now. Let me let me be clear here obsessive Saving can be just as selfish as obsessive spending Obsessive saving can be just as selfish as obsessive spending. When saving becomes hoarding, it is not something that honors God. And so when it comes to our finances, balance and wisdom are needed. You know, God wants for you to enjoy what he's blessed you with, but he expects you to put him first. God wants for you to enjoy what you have, but he expects you to care for the needs of of the people around you as well. And God wants for you to save, but he wants for you to save responsibly. When I think about these divine principles for the way we handle money, it reminds me of a story of a young boy who walked into town from the country with his mom, and they went to the market there in town, and mom did her shopping, and as they were leaving the kindly elderly shopkeeper brought this big glass jug of jelly beans up onto the shelf and invited that young boy. He said, reach your hand in there and pull out a handful of those jelly beans just for you. The boy didn't budge. Didn't put his hand in the jar. And so the shopkeeper put his hand in the jar, pulled out a handful of jelly beans, put them into a a brown paper bag and passed them over to the boy. And when the boy and his mother got outside, a couple minutes later she was surprised and she said to her son she said I've never seen you so timid when it came to jelly beans you love jelly beans why didn't you put your hand in that glass jug And the boy said because his hand is bigger I can follow my own way my financial wisdom or I can follow the Father's financial wisdom. And I will trust and I will obey and I will put His kingdom first because His hands are bigger than mine. His hands to take care of me and my family. His hands to bless me and my family. His plans to multiply. His hands are bigger than my mine and that's why I trust and I obey the Father instead of my own counsel. Instead of my own selfish ways. And this morning, you can make a decision uh, about your own finances. You can make a decision to put on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, be baptized into Jesus. You can get with somebody, put your arm around them, and just say, hey, I need prayers about this is keeping me up at night, this debt or this unemployment or this spending problem that I've got. Our Father cares for us. And if you have a need, bring it before the Father and ask him, to be at work in your life. Let's respond to him as we stand together and worship.